0: Farming program with Arrowquip Steel stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Grantham. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts.
1: It's another busy week for farming and agriculture events: Yorkshire Machinery, the Lincolnshire Farming Conference, and the Low Carbon Agriculture Show.
2: It looks at and provides a showcase of the latest low carbon technologies, energy solutions, and services, but specifically for the agricultural and rural communities. With new
1: fly-tipping stats, a Future of Farming seminar and more detail on SFI standards.
3: What they have done is drawn across some of these countryside stewardship options into these new standards as well as introducing some new actions.
1: Plus of course we'll see what the crops, markets and weather are doing. The Week in Agriculture. This is the Farming Programme. With Steve Orchard. Hello, good morning. If it is morning when you're listening, a reminder you don't have to get up early on a Sunday just for me. You can listen anytime from 7 online, the Lynx FM app, podcast or ask your smart speaker to play the latest farming programme. Hope you've had a good week now that the weather's a little bit more normal for the time of year. A chilly one on the way this week by the looks of it, more weather later. Um, better news this week for pig producers with prices increasing and the sector seemingly on a bit better financial footing but milk producers have seen reductions in prices across the board. Fly-tipping seems to have reduced too, but is it all good news? Andrew Marriott, Rural Advisor at the CLA, has been looking at the latest stats.
4: Across the UK, the reports are that there's a slight drop of about 4% uh, in incidents nationally. In Lincolnshire, there were 13,500 incidents of fly-tipping in 2021 and 2022, so this is all on public land. There's actually a slight increase in previous years, but I think the numbers there were slightly skewed by the fact that it was a COVID year. So overall, not a great picture. Obviously, the 4% drop is welcome, but really it's a a drop in the ocean if you look at the the scale of the problem um, across the country.
1: It's still a a big, big number, isn't it? We say public land, does that include farmers, what would be private land?
4: Yeah, that's absolutely it. So farmers, sadly, a lot of their numbers don't actually get reported, which is one of the real issues with fly tipping is that where these incidents occur is actually the farmers and private landowners that have to pick up the bill, which in a lot of cases can be really costly. On average, it's around £1,000 to clean up fly tipping incident. Uh, and if there's you know multiple cases on one piece of land over the course of a year, then it can become quite an expensive issue.
1: Now, having spoken to the police previously about this, they say that there is often evidence, particularly where it's a lorry load of refuse that uh, somebody would have had to pay to to be taken away. There's often evidence in there as to where it's come from. So it is still important, isn't it, that a victim of this actually reports it to the police?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It's really important that people, if they are offered the opportunity to uh, get rid of their... The household waste or any other items so they don't you know take up the services of um, an unlicensed or illegal waste carrier because there will be evidence at the scene of the crime um, if things are picked up and ultimately you could find yourself in hot water if it's proven to be something you have previously owned
1: all right andrew thank you for that step in the right direction but uh, still a fair way to go thanks very much andrew marriott from the cla thanks very much We spoke recently about the increases in payments for the Sustainable Farming Incentive. Now we've got some more information of the standards that will apply. Ella Redrup from Masons and Partners in Laos, what can you tell us?
3: They have changed the way that the environmental land management schemes are going to work. They are going to retain countryside stewardship, but slightly change how that works. But what they have done in the new standards, there's six new standards that cover um, hedgerows, integrated pest management, nutrient management arable and horticultural land, improved grassland and also the low-straight, no-input grassland. What they have done is drawn across some of the countryside stewardship options into these new standards as well as introducing some new actions.
1: Okay, now obviously farmers will need to look into the detail of these standards. Where can they go for information?
3: Um, So the government website is very good at setting out exactly what details they are. We have done some news-straight blog posts, social media, setting out some of the details. For example, there are actions as they're now calling them under SSI. For so, uh, managing hedgerows, um, you're getting £10 per 100 metres of that. That's a variation on an old countryside stewardship option. You can now be paid £45 per hectare for not using it insecticides. Completing a nutrient management plan, £589 per year. There's lots of options. Some will be quite familiar to those who've been in countryside stewardship others are new but the government website is the best place to start to get that full detail of information as to what these new standards include and what options are now going to be available to farmers.
1: Okay and countryside stewardship itself uh, when are they open for applications for that?
3: The application windows for higher tier and mid tier will open this month and in, in March. Those will be for agreements starting on the 1st of January next year. This will be the last application window for countryside stewardship as we know it from 2024, Countryside Stewardship is going to be rebranded as Countryside Stewardship Plus. There'll be a slightly wider range of options available and they have decided rather than going ahead with the local nature recovery scheme under ELMS, Countryside Stewardship Plus is, is what we're going to see. It might be with more Countryside Stewardship options coming across to SSI and being available under these six new standards. It might be for applicants who are looking at one of the more simplified wildlife offers uh, that were previously available under countryside stewardship. It now might be that actually those objectives and environmental benefits can be dealt with under sustainable farming incentive rather than having a countryside stewardship agreement and a sustainable farming incentive. So it's worth looking at the scheme details, what kind of things you're looking to do before committing to a countryside stewardship scheme because, like I say, it could be available to you under sustainable farming incentives and also with SFI they are allowing applicants and agreement holders to review their agreements annually so as they roll out more standards there will be an opportunity every year to revisit what's included in the agreement what levels apply for particularly on the soil standards you can change what land's included take bits out move it all around so they're trying to make it as flexible as possible.
1: All right, Ella, thank you for that. So the DEFRA website, can I have a look at the Mason's uh, socials and on your website, I guess, as well. Ella Redrup from yeah, Mason's absolutely. and Partners at Louth, thank you. My pleasure, Steve.
3: Nice to speak to
1: you. To the fields we go now to see where we're at with the crops and a bit of good agronomy advice with independent agronomist Sean Sparling. Hard to believe we're one-twelfth of the way through the
5: year already. Good morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Steve. I know that whooshing noise was January flying past then, one month down already in 2023. Bit of a change in the weather as well. February field Ike, of course, now, but it does look pretty much set dry as far as I can see. Windy and cold, but set dry for at least the next two to three weeks. I was chatting to uh, the Met Office, a chap called Simon Keeling, about weather forecasts and the long-range forecast for this spring, and he said that actually for them it's far easier to be accurate with a forecast six weeks ahead than it is to be accurate two days ahead. So, in six weeks' time, it'll be the middle of March. I've had a look at that forecast, let's not go there. So. Let's get back to agronomy. Not a lot of change out here in the field. Winter wheat, winter barley still ticking over nicely. Blackgrass levels after pre-ems containing luxinum, the synmethylene, of course, in particular where we've tried it on fields where everything else has pretty much stopped doing any good at all over the last few seasons. That synmethylene has really worked well for me. I know it's not a cheap option, but value and cost are two very, very different things, as we all know. And I can tell you from looking at some of my fields which were becoming unmanageable, we now can see the value of that synmethylene. Soil temperatures well. They've started to lift up above 5 degrees Celsius at 12 centimetres by midweek. So we are starting to see the first signs of things waking up. Very early days yet, though, you know. We get an awful lot of winter between February and March, and we have done over the last five or six years, much more so than December, January. Definitely still a little bit too early to put nitrogen on winter cereals just yet. Spring barley going in at long last. And I know that we're limited on what we can put on preems. We've got half-rate Liberator, half-rate Crystal, so half-rate flufenacet. That's not ideal. But use all the other tools you've got in your box when it comes to dealing with black grassy fields. Delay the drilling for a few weeks on your worst black grass fields. That gives you a chance to let the glyphosate lend a bit of a hand. And then these preems used wisely as you can to just as a backup to the glyphosate really and that's pretty much as good as you can do. Emus of course, plenty of emus out there for, for some active substances, Trilate as well, just read the labels to make sure that you're staying safe and legal and if you are putting pre on of course just make sure you get the seed in deep enough and get it well covered. It wants to be 30 mil deep and well covered after you've rolled if you're going to roll because it's selectivity by depth protection and therefore you need the seed deep enough to be away from that back under herbicide and nicely covered so you don't get physical contact with the seed open seed beds cloddy seed beds knotty seed beds are not a good idea when it comes to herbicides on spring crop and we keep saying you cannot maul barley in anyway it needs to go in well so on some of these stickier bodied fields and there's plenty of that out there still just bide your time and pick your battle and keep your powder dry for a few weeks. Winter all-seed right. Few more issues this year than we've seen for a year or two. The worst levels of cabbage stem flea beetle larvae that I've seen, certainly since 2020. It's not as bad as 2020 yet, although it is early in the season so far. And We saw this in 2020. They looked well and then they gradually got worse but much higher larval numbers showing up in the field. I can find plenty in the leaves and the leaf axles, far fewer in the main stem than we saw in 2020, which is encouraging in itself because when the larvae get into that main stem base like they did in 2020 that's when we see the devastation because the plant cannot compensate for that it can't grow back from losing the whole of the main plant if they stay in the leaves then and they're in those side tillers with its compensatory abilities all seed rates should quite happily rebuild side racemes and throw out side shoots and compensate for that but as I say then much more larvae than we've seen for a year or two and that larval damage could just well get an awful lot worse as we go through the next few weeks As they move around within the plants as it warms up, nothing you can do with insecticides. So it's either let them take their chances, monitor them closely, put the sheep on them. We saw that help sometimes. Mow some of these fields if they're that bad. But the good news is that if you've got pigeons hammering them as well, then. They may well be helping deal with the problem of cabbage stem flea beetle by eating the larvae and taking them off the field for you. Light leaf spots showing up a little more clearly and more regularly now as well. Do keep an eye on that and be prepared once these conditions do start to improve and things start moving. Get a fungicide on that. New spring growth is going to need protection from the light leaf spot as things move. Propisamide as well seems to be doing a pretty good job of the grassweed. Remember, as we said last autumn, if you go and put propisamide on in the middle to the end of October when it it's still too warm, it'll have a half life of about 50 days, so that will have run out of steam by now. If that's when you put it on, if you went on when the soil temperatures were much much colder, it was a bit damper into the beginning of December, then your half life extends from 50 days to 100 days, so that will easily still be doing a job. Now it should carry you through until the beginning of next month, really. So we can now start to see in some of these seed beds out there and unsprayed areas of field, we're starting to see some. Blackgrass now thinking about emerging. If that's the case in your old seed rate seed bed and you've got blackgrass trying to grow, if you put your curb on at the right time, that will be getting knocked quite happily by that well-timed propizomide. Also, as spring looms large through what still could, as I say, be an awful lot of winter to come, Defra's proposed urea fertilizer rules, the use of urease inhibitors after the 1st of April this year. They've now been delayed by a year the original idea was that red tractor assured farms would only be able to use uninhibited forms of urea between the 15th of January and the 31st of March 2023 and they would then have to use urea's inhibited product after that but as a result of the current nitrogen supply issues and of course the price volatility that we're seeing in the nitrogen market myself the association of independent crop consultants along with NIAB and the NFU we formed an industry consortium and put in a four- request to delay the introduction of this scheme until the 1st of April 2024 ahead of the 2025 fertiliser season. So it's a small victory I know but it is a victory for common sense and good agricultural practice and to be honest I can't think of many urea users who apply it after the 1st of April anyway. It's usually way too warm and we don't get our money's worth and if we're losing it to volatilisation If there's one thing farmers don't like, it's losing money and not getting their money's worth. I think we can all agree on that. Still, I think it's stupid, in my opinion anyway, as an aside, to put a calendar date on anything like this. I suppose they have to put some sort of guide on it, in their opinion. But if it's hot in March, it'll volatilise just the same as it would in April. That's why agronomists and farmers have what politicians don't have – common sense anyway it's windy it's drying with drilling or at least trying let's see what the next seven days bring
0: thank you sean the farming program with our steel stockholders with Umbro industrial estate grantham supplying the region for over 40 years
1: A busy week for farming events this week, the Yorkshire Agricultural Machinery Show at the York Auction Centre on Wednesday. I'll see you at the Lincolnshire Farming Conference at the showground on Thursday and the Low Carbon Agriculture Shows back at Stoneleigh in Warwickshire on Tuesday and Wednesday. And with a taste of what's on offer, good morning, Director David Jacobmeyer. Good morning, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Uh, It's a pleasure. We're looking forward to another busy couple of days at Stoneleigh this week with a low-carbon agriculture show. This show's a little bit more focused, perhaps, than a general farming equipment show,
2: isn't it? Indeed, you're right. And it is very uh, specific and targeted. It looks at and provides a showcase of the latest low-carbon technologies, energy solutions and services, but specifically for the agricultural and rural communities and looks at the challenge facing the agricultural sector of balancing sustainable food production with both energy and also environmental needs. Okay, David, do you want to just give us a flavour of what's in each of the different Expo areas? Of course, yes. Energy Now Expo, which showcases the latest renewable and clean energy solutions and opportunities, including methods of optimisation and best practice in energy management, particularly important, of course, given the way that energy prices have gone. The Low Emission Vehicles Expo showcases the latest low and zero carbon uh, machinery and uh, transport. This year, we have um, JCB's E-Tech range on display, New Holland's biomethane tractor, an electric 4x4 and a number of different electric quads. So it's definitely one of the highlights of the show. The Environmental Business Expo is the third and looks at ways that farmers and land managers can lessen environmental impact. We have a number of different experts and suppliers of both product and service within the exhibition and taking part in the extensive conference alongside looking at areas including carbon management, sequestration, emission control and reduction, regenerative farming, soil health, sustainable food production, natural capital, um, and also a debate on achieving net zero in agriculture, which is um, moderated by the uh, environmental and farming correspondent, Tom Heap. The final expo, the Farm Technology Expo, very much highlights the cutting-edge innovations to aid precision farming, such as robotics and drones, of course, very low-carbon in nature. Um, And they're on display in order that farmers can come along They can listen to talks to explain the use of these technologies in the farm tech theatre and actually see the um, robots, drones, softwares and other innovations within the exhibition floor. So it's a uh, busy few days. Yes, absolutely. Four expos, lots of speakers, learning opportunities and plenty of exhibitors too. Indeed, yes. We have roughly 120 exhibitors from across the agricultural, clean energy and environmental sectors providing their expertise, whether it be through installation service or other advice. This year also sees a speech from the Minister for Natural Environment and Land Use, Trudy Harrison, who will be speaking to attendees about support available. And the future farming team from DEFRA will be on hand throughout the show to answer questions on key policies such as ELMS, Sustainable Farming Incentive, and the actions farmers can take together with the payments they can receive. Splendid.
1: So just remind us when, where, how do we book, where do we get tickets and information
2: from? So it's this coming Tuesday and Wednesday at Stonely Park, so 7th and 8th of February. Tickets are free and uh, farmers, land managers can register for these through the Low Carbon Agriculture Show website, lowcarbonagricultureshow.co.uk. Looking forward to being there on Wednesday. Thank you, David. What's the future
1: of farming? How long have you got? There's a seminar organized to try and address that question run by Active Business Partnerships and Virgin Money. From whom, welcome again, Brian Richardson. Brian, the future of farming, can you even answer that? Well, I think you certainly
6: need a bit of a crystal ball at the moment. But yeah, there's an awful lot changing in uh, farming at the moment. And uh, yeah, we, we've just got the announcement on some uh, changes and developments in the ELMS payments. You know, farmers are all trying to scratch heads a little bit and understand where net zero is going. So we've got a good lineup of, of speakers. Hamish Bicken, which many people will know from Active Business Partnerships, is going to talk about the future, the challenge around cost of living rise, particularly hitting agriculture. And then Oliver Maxer, who uh, looks after England for uh, Virgin Money, alongside Simon Haley of Carbon Metrics, will have a discussion debate around the net zero agenda and what people should be looking at there and then questions and hopefully a good debate around what is a lot of change at the moment we're in this transition period catching up with new policies around elms and and the the other environmental measures with a government that's perhaps just moving the uh, the the rules around those a little bit so a lot to catch up on i think it, it is a critical time in terms of you know, Getting that planning right, particularly as well, we've got a background of what I think this coming year is going to be a bit of a squeeze on agriculture with you know, higher prices and supermarkets trying to present to their customers low-cost food. So we've got a real challenge going on there.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be an essential seminar by the sound of it. Where and when and how do we get more information and tickets, Brian?
6: It's at the White Hart in, in Lincoln, Wednesday the 15th of february 6 15 we're going to uh, have the seminar and then follow that with a two-course meal it's free for everyone and we're simply asking uh people to let us know for the for numbers by emailing m arnold at active
1: lovely brian thank you thanks very much for that time for our weekly market reports and prices starting with livestock from louth's auctioneer
7: oliver chapman morning oliver Morning, Steve. Another weekly round-up from here at Lauf for Monday the uh, 30th which saw an increased show in buyers and a tremendous trade from start to finish, starting with the Prime Cattle, which see Prime Bulls top at 278 pence per kilo or £1,526 for C.A. Mottram & Sons of Harmston, while Steers top at 268 pence per kilo or £1,658 for J&S Brooks of Strubby, with Heifers to top at 275 pence per kilo for K Chafer of Burley Marsh or £1,568 for JS Brooks of Strubby. On to the cool cows and that trade continued right the way through with a top for F.W. Robinson & Son of Horsington at 211 pence per kilo for non ashore cows with the lead grossing price at £1,636 for F. Wallace & Sons of Biscathorpe. This week also an additional store cattle sale saw a fantastic trade with plenty of demand. Pennell Brothers topped the steers at £1,370 with an all-in average in the steers of £1,163. Heifers topped for FW Robinson and Son Forsington, Forcington at £1,270 to all-in average £1,031 with a couple of young bulls from DR Garner to top at £695 and a single heifer and calf to top at £1,600. Moving on to the sheep... More than expected hogs and a tremendous trade from start to finish saw 368 hogs SQQ at 240.68 pence per kilo and all in average 232.86 pence per kilo. Top in the pounds per head goes to A. Davenport at £136 pounds per head or 308 pence per kilo for Fennec Brothers of Bealsby. Moving on to the cool ewes and the handiest shows are an all-in average of £111.38 to top for Oppie House Farming Company at £168. Pounds. A huge thank you to everyone that's been and supported this week, both buyers and vendors. Tomorrow, Monday the 6th of February, it's store cattle week again. Entries are required for all sections, whether that's prime, cull, or store cattle, or prime, cull, or store sheep. So please do not hesitate to contact me. This is Oliver Chapman for Masons and Louth Market, and thank you. Thanks, Oliver.
1: And with a look at the grey markets and prices, Open Fields, Alice Killam. Good morning, Alice.
0: Good morning, Steve. Some optimistic news this week, finally. Midweek saw the pound weaken significantly, which in turn supported UK ex-farm values as export offers continued to present themselves. This progress was limited at the end of the week by a further rise in the interest rate within the UK to 4%. There have been several comments flying around this week with reference to UK export picking up on the back of Black Sea turnaround of vessels. The process has slowed and therefore boats are worried that they will get stuck there for weeks on end. Inspection levels have ramped up, therefore there is not such a demand to collect ex-Ukraine. The current 120-day extension to the Grain Corridor ends mid-March as we stand. We have seen fresh worries surrounding the US wheat crop. There are some very cold temperatures forecast in the next couple of days. wheat producing state, Kansas, has updated their crop progress, which has improved since the end of December, but looks well below recent years in terms of condition. A developing story is the rain forecast in Brazil, which will do nothing to help them in terms of harvesting soybeans and then planting maize behind it. While we saw an upturn in US wheat at the end of last week, interestingly, the big shorts just keep on getting bigger, with funds at their highest net short positions since May 2019. At some point, they might have to buy this wheat back. US weekly export data released on Thursday, however, wasn't great. But what about 2023 and Chinese growth? Reports I've been reading are all leaning towards a recovery in Chinese demand for 2023 as they open up for business again post-COVID. The details are a bit vague on when, but you do much reading on the subject and you might be convinced too. Rapeseed was buoyant in early week trading, but faded as the week has progressed. The link between soybeans and rapeseed was highlighted by the AHDB midweek. Now we have returned to increased global stocks post a disastrous harvest in Canada and Brazil, particularly of Harvest 21. Although this is a global indicator, not considering that the UK crush has been quietly buying from other countries a date for the calendar next week february's world supply and demand data from the USDA is out wednesday the 8th at five pm on to your prices for this week feed wheat march two twenty 220 to two two five april two 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 to two two seven november two fifteen to two 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 and may twenty four two twenty 220 to two twenty seven milling wheat premiums are still holding at around sixty pounds barley march one nine five to two zero five and may £20-210. 200 all seed rate for this week, February onwards, you're looking around four fifty 450 to four five five. Pricing continues to vary dependent on location, so please call for firm values.
1: Thanks, Alice. The farming program five day forecast. Cooler, drier and calmer with high pressure for most of the week. Just a breeze from the north today, cloudy but dry with a high of 6 Celsius and down to 1 overnight. Into a calm start to the week, dry and sunny but cold with highs around 5, again down to 1 overnight. Light winds from the east for midweek, max 5 under clear skies and down to freezing point overnight. And staying cold and expect some rain for the end of the week. Next week on Lynx FM Farming, we'll look ahead to two important annual initiatives for farming and hear all about a social group run by and for women in agriculture. I'm Steve Orchard, until then, have a great week.
0: The Farming Program with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Witham Brook Industrial Estate, Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.